At 28 years old, I was shot and paralyzed in the chest down. I had two options. I could stop, and let the things I cannot control control me, or I could move forward and put my energy into things that would improve my life and those around me. I chose to move forward and surround myself with risk takers, innovators, and leaders who've chosen the same path. Join us on the journey. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Forward with me, Derek Herrera, and my guest today, Jeff Gum. Jeff Gum is an incredible man. He is a former Navy SEAL and now entrepreneur in the swimwear industry. And so we talk about his journey, his trials and tribulations of going through buds and failing and having to uh, repeat Hell Week uh, multiple times before he earned the title of Navy SEAL and earned his trident. Uh, we talk about his time serving overseas and injuries he sustained that prevented him from continuing to serve as a Navy SEAL, uh, and then how he found meaning and purpose moving forward as an entrepreneur and selling swimsuits. Uh, and so his company, Sunga Life, S-U-N-G-A Life, L-I-F-E, uh, creates some of the highest quality uh, silkies, uh, swimsuits for both men and women that I've come across. And so definitely check them out at sungalife.com, S-U-N-G-A-L-I-F-E.com if you're interested in learning more. And hope you enjoy this episode uh, and the lessons that we talk about and that we've shared about adversity and overcoming challenges and, and moving forward in a new direction through periods of transition. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating. If you feel so inclined, leave us a review. Or if you're listening on Spotify, feel free to share with any of your friends or any other platforms that we're, we're on so that we can reach more people and amplify the impact that we have. And so really had a phenomenal time talking with Jeff. He's doing amazing work, not just with his swimwear line, but also with other nonprofit organizations that he supported like Force Blue Team and Adaptive Training Foundation and hope you enjoy this episode of Forward with Jeff Gum. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Pleasure on mine. Appreciate you making time to come down and chat. Um, would love to, before we get into all the specifics about what you're up to now, all the amazing work you've been doing over the past few years and the journey you've been on. Would love to just go back to uh, your younger days, what it was like, and really what led you to the decision to join the military and, and what called you to service. Yeah, so I grew up uh, on the East Coast in Pennsylvania. I was actually yeah, born on a dairy farm in the Lehigh Valley, close to Appalachian Mountains and Appalachian Trail and everything there. It was a really nice place to grow up. Uh, my father died when I was young in a car accident. And I was the oldest with my sister and brother and kind of always like wanted to protect them and keep them safe. Uh, then kept getting a little bit older. I was an athlete, played like almost every sport I could, soccer, basketball, track, cross country, kick for football. Uh, but then I was playing basketball my sophomore year and I tore my ACL. And I went from like playing every sport I could and then also like lifting and working out 
that all of a sudden I'm in a brace and I couldn't do anything. And I was kind of losing my mind. And I realized I needed like the biggest challenge in order to be fulfilled. And I was like, what's the biggest challenge? They start trying to like find out. And I'm like, oh, hell week. And to go be a SEAL after. I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. And I just, it was like all I wanted to do then. I wanted to do hell week. I wanted to, you know, challenge myself as much as I could. Um, So as a sophomore then, kept like researching more and more. And then uh, about a year and a half later, beginning of my senior year, 9-11 happens. And it just reaffirmed it like a hundred times more, not to just go be a SEAL because of the challenge or to shoot guns and blow stuff up or all these like really kind of cool things, but to go like hunt the people that did this and keep our country safe and help make sure it never happened again. So, uh, and then uh, I was like, all right, well, I started talking to different recruiters. I was looking at the Naval Academy. I was looking at colleges. I found out about ROTC and I, I, uh, where I'm like, oh, I can go to a normal school and do, do, uh, ROTC as well. And I thought that sounded pretty awesome. I talked to my cousins about going and checking out university of Florida and university of Miami had been, um, accepted to both of them. And they're like, oh, check out UCF. We went, we live in Orlando. Uh, be good if you go out of state, have family close and everything. And so then I went to UCF and, uh, loved it there. I was in army ROTC. And after my freshman year, they sent me to airborne school and, uh, they didn't, they didn't have a Navy ROTC. So that wasn't an option. I was like, Oh, I'll do like Rangers and SF was kind of what I was thinking. But after my freshman year, I went to airborne school randomly, all my like best friends in that class had just graduated SEAL training out of Bud's class 244. And then these guys all had like longer hair and sideburns and they didn't march and they didn't say yes sir no sir and they're like yeah we live in san diego on the beach and i'm like okay i'm definitely going to go be a seal i think i fit in really well with this culture and uh and so after graduating from ucf and these guys all told me yeah you want to you want to go uh enlisted and that way you can be a sniper and a breacher and heavy machine gunner and do all these really cool parts of being a seal and you can't do that as an officer and then you can always go be an officer after I was like, that all sounds like perfect. And, and, uh, so after graduating college, then I enlisted to go into the SEAL teams and, uh, and here we are. It's awesome. <laughs> did you watch the books or did you read the books and watch the movies? Like, uh, yeah. maybe SEAL, Charlie Sheen. Yeah. And, and even, even, uh, like yeah. Discovery Channel would have oh, yeah. Bud's class two. Right. I think it was Bud's class. Right. Herb. 228 was the warrior elite oh, that discovery okay. channel was 234 That's and so read that read lone survivor yeah. um yeah read all the books i tried to do like as much research as i could i had an incredible mentor and uh he was based at jacksonville but would kind of service from daytona beach to orlando and he came down and trained me uh it was my first time doing like a physical screening test or pst you gotta get like certain scores and everything and i uh I wasn't like a very good swimmer yet. I, you know, I had swim lessons as a kid, but I was like, you know, I ran track. I had a, done a lot of weightlifting. I'd like, I was like squatted when I was in high school, my senior year, I like squatted 500 in competition and ran close to a five minute mile. So like my swimming was like not close to on par with that, but I want to like eliminate these weaknesses. So I go and do the PST and I think it's going to be all these like beast athletes that are just going to like destroy me and I'm going to have to like train but I go and do the first one and just destroy everyone and everything. And then he's like, man, he's like, 
yeah, he's like yelling at everybody leaving for boot camp. He's like, you guys need to be like this guy if you're gonna leaving for this. Like you guys are not like fit in the mold or whatever. And then he had more people come, and I'm like, oh, I'll do it again. And I like beat everyone again. And then there was a he ran, he did one more like back to back, and I did that. He's like, you don't have to do this one. I'm like, all right, I'll at least just do the run. And I smoke everyone in the run again. And then he's like, from there on out, he like loved me and gave me all like the attention he taught me. Uh, He'd like team me up with college swimmers. I'd swim with them. He set me up with a um, special forces guy, Ranger, uh, called him Ranger Rick. He's a former Ranger in SF. He's, we actually reconnected now. Uh, He's the president of NAWI as well. And he helps out with the force blue team that I'm on. But yeah, I got really close with him. He was amazing. Uh, got me dive certified. I just wanted to eliminate any weakness I had before I went to Buds. And, and uh, yeah, so did did all that. And that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was influenced by the books and the movies, too. And that's actually one of the reasons I went to the Naval Academy, because I wanted to be a SEAL. Uh, and so, you know, that was the path that I was trying to, trying to pursue as well. And we were at the same time, too. So I graduated totally. in 2002. And- 2006 and everything so yeah it's cool we talked and we had you know a lot of guys who were on the lacrosse team with were guys i went through seal training with so it's kind of yeah they put out a lot of a lot of the tough guys and they have like the same kind of mentality and everything you know the close close you know friendship and rapport and go through all that together i i'm sure i would have loved lacrosse it just wasn't in my area at all where where i grew up in pennsylvania yeah that was my experience too. I, I, I didn't start playing until ninth grade. And when I played in Delaware, that was the second year that our high school had a team. So we weren't oh, wow. that great, but I was a decent athlete yeah. at that time. And I was like decent enough. I wasn't recruited by Navy at all, mm-hmm. but they were like, mm-hmm. you can play JV. Right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'll play like, and then, uh, they were phenomenal, right? Like yep. they were really good. So totally. like, after my freshman and sophomore year, I didn't quite, I was like, well, they're like, yeah, you could probably stay on the team, but you're probably never going to play. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go do something else. So I did boxing and, oh, awesome. and stuff. And that was a lot of fun, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Amazing brotherhood and phenomenal leaders and people that have come out of the program and things. Um, and yeah, and obviously very competitive to be a SEAL, which is how I ended up becoming a Marine. Cause I didn't, didn't, uh, didn't get selected. Um, and so that's the path that I went on. Uh, but yeah, that's awesome. And so, Sounds like you mentioned from a young age, foundationally, you had that desire to be a protector and to seek out challenges. I also want to say you're probably like the biggest football kicker I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Uh, unique as well. So um, Yeah, it's funny. When I was at UCF, I got one of my friends on the football team to pledge my fraternity as a senior, uh, Matt Prater, and then he ended up having the longest field goal ever in the NFL. I think it was like 64, 65 yards for the Broncos. But um, yeah, he was the kicker for UCF. And then now he has the longest kick ever. And then I got him to pledge my fraternity, like Sigma Alpha Epsilon. So that was pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, when he's like one of our kind of, um, you know, celebrity SAEs or something, nice. you know, but it's funny. I got him to do it as a senior as well. Oh, cool. but, um, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Another kicking connection. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, it's also interesting too, and good. And, and a lot of people know this at the time, you know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people ask, you know, Hey, I want to be at special forces, but I want to be an officer. And you're like, well, do you really want to be an officer 
because if you want to be a special operator, it's an enlistment's job, right? It's an enlistment's game. Um, and although you get to lead people as an officer, your time is limited. There's varying duties and requirements and things there. And so, uh, just in general, for anyone listening, right, you follow the advice, um, which I give to most people now too, which is if you're drawn to that aspect of being a special operator, you need to enlist and you need to do it in the Navy or the Army, right? Because that's the only way you can be guaranteed to get a shot to become a special operator. Whereas the Marine Corps, you cannot enlist to become a special operator. You yeah. can enlist and then you have to be in the infantry for two years before you can screen and then get the chance to become so a special operator. So 11 Bravo? Ours are 311. Yeah, so yeah. same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. 311. Uh, but they don't have to, you don't have to enlist to do that. You could be any MOS. So kind of like the Army or the Navy, right? You could be in any MOS and still go take selection and become an operator. So, um, so that's my advice for everybody that's listening for that. But that's awesome. And so you end up at the teams, going through BUDS, SQT, everything else. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I've always been had a big spot in my heart for the Marines as well because my grandpa, he was a sniper in the Korean War. Uh, random, he had two Purple Hearts in Korea, like really brutal fighting over there. And randomly, his like second lieutenant in the Marines uh, had a grandson who was at my SEAL team then. And he's a like well-known guy from the Naval Academy too. Um, I'm not going to say his name because they went to death group and everything. But, uh, but yeah, pretty crazy that, yeah, our, our grandpas fought in Korea together and then me and him were both in SEAL team five together. Wow. And so kind of crazy connection. He got, he came to my graduation, got to meet my grandparents and everything. Um, so pretty cool, like connection there. And then, you know, I'm close with Rudy and Prime and all these guys. And that's one of the great parts about the Force Blue team as well is that we take all these kind of spe- like guys from different special operations group, PJs, Recon, Raiders, SF, Delta Force, and yeah. SEALs, and we all come together and do these missions together. So uh, I, I absolutely love it. And whatever people want to do, like any special operations, they're all like so incredible and create the best guys. For sure. We got a healthy rivalry. Yeah. So yeah. we like giving the Air Force a hard time. Yeah. But actually tomorrow, so tomorrow I'm actually going to meet with uh, some of the PJs who helped save my life. Wow. Right? So like, um, as much as I like to give the Air Force a hard time, my father was in the Air Force, my grandfathers were both enlisted in the Air Force. And uh, and so I like to give them a hard time because for obvious reasons, but they're pretty awesome guys. So. Yeah. They tell me, because uh, I'm, I'm really close with some PJs and the Force Blue team and they're like, Every time we go out to do something, it is somebody's like worst day. You know, a lot of times like SEALs go out, we go do a mission, everything goes well. You guys go out, you do a mission, everything goes well. You like get your stuff, you go back, you like hang out, whatever. There, it's like people are dying. It's like QRF. You're like patching people up. People, there might be lots of guys dead already. Other guys are like hanging on for their lives. Every time it's like super, super heavy. So like they do some legit stuff and, and they have to, you know, have every time they got bullets flying over their head while they're focused on just saving, saving another like special operator's life. So that is some intense stuff. And they were even stationed out in Alaska and they'd go up and do rescues off of Denali and everything like all the time, going up to 
20,000 feet to pull people down off these mountains in like brutal conditions when a storm just came through and people are like about to die up there for like, like a pulmonary edema or like hypothermia or whatever. And they're going up to like, now they got not only going up there, but they got to pull people off these mountains. So like nothing but the most respect in the world to them. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was the same unit that had saved me and Ricky's life too during that time was a unit from Alaska. And so, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I forget which exact unit it is, but, uh, that group is the one that was out there. And, and to your point, right. Um, with bullets, like all of the things in the chaos that they deal with, uh, they were actually filming video throughout the entire deployment they had, I think with like Nat Geo or whatever, when we'd gotten injured. So, um, you know, being able to see images and stuff of, of what they were doing from their perspective and what my team was doing from their perspective was, was pretty incredible. Right. Like just to see that. And, and the one image I have in my mind from when I had gotten injured was watching, uh, we had a small minute team, right? So we only had a few guys, but two, so we had 10 Americans, two of which are now critically injured. Yeah. Um, and our guys were under heavy fire, but the other eight guys all had to carry us to that helicopter without being able to return fire. Right. So they're literally, risking their own lives, running out into a field to get us on the helicopter. Yeah. Um, and it was something I kind of remembered loosely, but was fading in and out. But after I saw that image, right, of them doing that without hesitation, right, it's just like cemented yeah, I in my brain. Man, like, like, yeah. So PJs are awesome. We'll get the Air Force a hard time today. Yeah. yeah. Even, though, uh, even though it's easy to and fun to do sometimes. But, uh, that's awesome. So, so Bud's SQT, and then which team did you end up with? You said you were yeah. Team Five. Yeah. So then I went to How Team did... Five. I was there for four years. Uh, went to Iraq for my first deployment, and then came back. Uh, did a bunch of schools like Sniper Breacher, First Castmaster. Did like a POTUS mission out of Hawaii, working with the Secret Service, and then um, trained up again. Did a second deployment. That's where I ended up hurting my uh, spine, fast roping onto a roof. And uh, and my foot, like, wasn't working. And I'm like, what's going on? My foot would just slap everywhere I went. I was having, like, crazy sciatica coming over my IT band. And I thought I was having some IT band issue. And I'm just, like, rolling it all the time. And then um, I kind of figured out what it was. And I had called back to Landstuhl, Germany. And they're like, oh, he's having, like, a major herniated disc issue. So then they literally, like put me on a flight and I flew to Germany and the like doctor saw me and just saw the way I was walking. And he's like, yeah, you're having surgery tomorrow. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm having surgery? Like, it's like, I don't even, I didn't even like feel that bad. And he's like, yo, do an MRI, but guaranteed just looking at your foot, there's nothing more to be able to do. And it's only going to like make like damage your nerve even more, the more you walk on it like that. And uh, he's like, you can't even pick up a backpack. I'm like, I've been carrying boat engines around. Like, and they're like, do not do anything. And so go in and they did a spine surgery that day. And then uh, I kind of recovered and rehabilitated and then became an instructor and started teaching all the hand-to-hand combat prisoner handling for the, for the SEAL teams and for guys going through the pipeline that were about to graduate. And, uh, and my back was doing pretty well for a while. I thought they told me it's like poor recovery, everything will be good. 
But uh, then I started like re-injuring it more and more and being, I, just, I was kind of stubborn and thought I could just like kind of train through it and just kept getting worse and worse. And then they kind of realized like I wouldn't be able to go back to a SEAL team because it would basically be a liability for, uh, for the platoon and the team and everything. So I got out and it was kind of, you know, as one door was kind of closing, another one was opening. I had a lot of friends who had done their MBA at Wharton. I was going out to LA all the time, seeing the different like business deals they were doing with people they went to business school with, saw the opportunity there. Um, I did the Honor Foundation, which like Joe Musselman founded. And I know you're pretty involved with, with the Marine Raider community. And, you know, I kind of saw all these opportunities to create my own company and everything. And I was like, oh, I want to go to UCLA, Anderson as well. And they have like a great entrepreneurship program. And literally while I was there, I was meeting with a guy in the Anderson Venture Association, veteran, veteran association. They, they mentioned you and that you had just won like this competition and this grant and all these things. And, uh, and it was, I think it was just like within a month or something, we did a, a technology trek through Silicon Valley. And it was like, it was actually two things. The Honor Foundation was there and then there was a veterans tech trek as well. And then that finished, I was literally doing both of them. One like started maybe one day before the other. And then, yeah, we, then you ended up kind of talking to everybody at Y Combinator and that's where we met. And so, yeah, it was all kind of meant to be. Yeah. Going back to your point about the challenge though, too. Sometimes I think that dealing with those types of issues, I, I feel like I can relate to what you're saying because, uh, when you talked about your injury, because when it's not black and white, you feel like you may have control over the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. But in some cases, no matter how hard you work, some things are outside of your control. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so for you, I'm interested to hear what you think about that and how your personal experience was. Uh, cause for me, when I was going through that, it created like glimmers of hope, but then some pretty mm -hmm. severe lows and like some pretty wild swings in between because, you know, when I got injured, they didn't tell me that I was never going to walk in and just said, Hey, we don't know. But if something recovers in the first two years, it's likely that's what the data shows will recover. And so you kind of leave people the opportunity to have a positive outlook, which is good, you know, yeah. for me, cause I was trying to survive and mm -hmm. still have a lot of other complications. Yeah. But at the same time, at some point you come to grips with the reality and what's happening. And, and so I just see like, just to dive into that journey of how it was for you, where you went through that process and were learning and coming to grips yeah. with that reality. You, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. There's like a line where it can be, all right, I can persevere through this or there's like a line where, okay, it's time to pivot and you can like, I think sometimes you can do more that way when you pivot. Like I think the way you did, you weren't going to be able to be like an active Marine going out and doing deployments and hunting terrorists anymore. But what you're doing with uh, your companies, like helping, helping other people who are paralyzed um, could be, like even way more impactful, like for millions and millions of people. Uh, and so sometimes it's just like a reframing that you have to do. Um, and there's times to persevere. Like when I was in, I was in SEAL training and I had like everything go wrong at first. I was 
I was uh, in class 270. I like passed everything my first try. Friday before Hell Week, this is like six weeks into training, about to start the seventh week of training, and I get viral gastroenteritis. So I just start throwing up, throwing up, everything. I drink water, I'm so thirsty, I throw up. They go to put IVs in me, and like IVs won't even like go into my veins. Like it took like three tries, I'm just like shooting blood everywhere. I'm like, what the heck? Finally, they can give me IVs. I can't eat food. Uh, I'm just like extremely sick, but I'm like, I'm not gonna not do Hell Week. Do a freaking Hell Week. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but I didn't. But I didn't care. And I'm like, I'm not gonna like you know quit now or try to get rolled or not be with all these friends that I just did all this stuff with. I did like great leading up to this point. And uh, so I start, I start Hell Week and from being kind of so dehydrated from not like eating food for two days before we start Hell Week. The first day went great. I was feeling great. I was strong. Um, but then like, you know, you're like getting hypothermia. People are like quitting in mass exodus, like 24 people at a time at um, Steel Pier where you like tread water in the bay. And then we did these buoy swims where just like mass exodus on two different things, like really, really strong people but it was so cold and then like extreme exertion, just running under the boats forever, log PT, just like lunging with these logs forever. And, uh, like a day and a half in my legs, like start to cramp like really bad. And they're like running with these boats. And I just do like everything I can to stay under these boats because if you fall out from under the boat, that's what pretty much makes everyone quit too, is people, People can't do the things that are so physical or they just break down so much. And then from, they get pressured. Now they're not under the boat and they, they just quit because they're basically getting a performance dropped anyway. So I do everything I can to stay under these boats. It felt like, you know, football players that get like cramps on the field and they're like quads and hamstrings and they like lay down and get carried off. That's what my legs were like doing. And I'm just doing everything to stay under the boat while I did that. And I think from doing that, well, it's what definitely, it, then I ended up getting rhabdomyolysis where my muscles broke down so much that my blood became toxic. And I went from, I all of a sudden became the weakest person like in the entire class. And uh, 36 people made it through that whole week class and they performance dropped me an hour from Wednesday because I couldn't stand in the boat. I, it's never, it never been diagnosed because everyone just quits when they get rhabdo because they become so weak. It's so physical, it becomes mental. And so uh, they performance shot me, but I knew I was supposed to be there. I knew who I was. I didn't know what was happening to my body that all of a sudden I went, I was used to like, you know, you have it in your mind. You like go to do these things to like make your muscles do this stuff. And it just doesn't work. And it's so slow. And it feels like I'm being stabbed in my legs. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And they performance shot me, but I called all the seals I knew. Uh, my mentor, who is that guy that he call, he calls uh, other master chiefs, they go in and vouch for me just because of my gecko saying that I was like, you know, should be there and get another shot. And master chief Guild, who um, oh, yeah. he he was like our mentor, and I went and saw, and he's like, anyone ever has a problem, come see me. I'm like. You know, you hear these rumors that these people made me quit, all these things. I'm like, all right, if anything like just ever happens, I'm going straight to him. He was this legendary SEAL Team 6 guy and a mentor for us. I went and saw him, told him what happened. I'm like, I never failed anything before. I just got really sick. Then my body stopped working in hell week. I don't know what it was. 
all these people kind of vouched for me. I got another chance. I started all the way over. I went from never failing anything in 270, starting 271. I fail every single evolution. I can't do anything. My body doesn't work. I'm like, what? And now this is stuff that was easy for me in the class before. I'm like, what is going on? And now all the instructors, like, I was the first like, person performance dropped and allowed back into the next class. And so they, uh, now I have all the attention on me. I'm falling out from under the boat. I, I start the second week of first phase and I come in last place by six minutes on the run. I'm like, what is happening? I'm like, it literally felt like I was wearing concrete blocks for shoes and had knives in my thighs as I'm trying to run. And everything was so painful, even like little chow runs, which are just like things you zone out on. You run like six miles a day just to eat. This is like, just, but it's real slow. This is like even the most painful thing for me. I'm like, what is happening? And after I come in last place, we're about to have boats on heads after that again. And I'm like, now they're going to literally try to kill me with boats on heads. And I'm like, I go to medical and I'm like, Hey, I'm not looking for a way out. I'm not looking. I, I just need to figure out what is wrong with me. I never failed anything before. Now I can't even pass anything. I just want to be healthy. I just, I, I don't know what's, and he's like, Oh, it sounds like you got this thing wrapped though. It's extremely rare, but we'll uh, send you in for labs. And I go in, they draw my blood comes back up toxic and so then they give me like medical convalescent leave and so now i and some of these instructors are like pissed they're like you're gonna roll again you're just trying to be a buds flounder all these things you're just trying to like just flounder around to you think you're just we're just gonna let you get through this i'm like oh god so i go i go back i just rest it's just like rest and hydration and my body like you know filters out all that like bad blood and everything and i come back and then I was like light duty for like a week or whatever. And then all, all of a sudden, like we start doing little jogs and all of a sudden I can just like zone out on the runs. And I'm like, wow, this feels, Ty Woods was on my instructor. They start in doc and they don't, this time they don't make the guys that had been through in doc do it again. And so I just work out with all the guys who had been through hell week, the brown shirts. And we just do all these like epic workouts with Ty Woods. who's like the hero of Benghazi and everything that was killed fighting up fighting there the 13 hours is based off of him and he was just amazing do all these amazing like workouts and i just get in incredible shape and now i'm used to doing everything with my body not working and now i'm like one of the fittest people in the class again so and it went from being like a winter hell week to like basically a summer hell week and now i'm like getting out of these surf tortures and i'm just like not one shiver no you're not even gonna let them see you shiver like not one i stare at all the instructors we do our first run. I go from coming in place by last place by six minutes, 48, four mile to running at 28, four mile on like the second day, come in the top 10. And I'm just like, stare at everyone. Like, look who's back. Like, look who's back. And then, uh, I just like, I just literally cr crush it in first phase from there on out. And then, uh, it was, you know, end up graduating with 272, go all the way through, go to SEAL Team 5 with a lot of these guys, do my career. But uh, I end up realizing as I get to uh, the Honor Foundation, they have you like write about what's one of your biggest accomplishments. And I was like, like what I went through to like get through Hell Week. And it's like, now how do your like strengths play into that? And it's like, they had you do the strength finder exercise where mine were like strategic, uh, winning others over, uh, achiever, 
maximizer and communicator. And I saw how all these strengths like played into it. It wasn't just like being tough that got me through that. It was like communicating like why I deserve another shot. It was winning others over, having all these people come in and vouch for me. Achiever is definitely, you know, very like I was never going to quit either. But uh, that's like the type of scenario where it's like you can persevere and you can never give up and you can push through there. Um, and then it also made me realize like, be thankful for those tough things that happen to you. You might like, I felt bad. I felt sorry for myself. I'm not going to lie. I felt sorry for myself when I was like, how I got performance dropped in hell week. I had my dreams ripped away. I was like, what? I was like, it was the most depressing thing in my life. After, you know, making it through all that, I, I realized nothing is, I'm never going to quit. If it's something that, that I can like do, I will, I will never quit never give up. And then that, is like the biggest strength as I move forward, creating my own business, a million things. I know you like a million things go wrong. Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. And, um, it can even be things in like, you know, relationships and like really sad things that happen, people that you trusted. But, uh, it's like, you know, I've been through these tough things before and it, what I thought was the worst thing to ever happen to me ended up being the greatest gift to mm -hmm. ever happen to me. And, and then, uh, you know, but there are times to pivot like as well. Like when I injured my back and I kept trying to fight through it and fight through it and do jujitsu. And then I was like, I thought I was gonna, you know, go back to a SEAL team after I finished being an instructor. But then I kind of realized, you know, you did 10 years. It was awesome. Uh, if you keep trying to push it, like you're you can ruin your back. You can ruin your body. I had three surgeries in my last four years while I was in also on my ankle and my shoulder and my back. So I was like, that was all while I was healthy. What's going to happen now that I've had all these injuries, I'm getting older. Do I want like a low quality life for the rest of my life? Or can I lead a more like low impact life and, and, uh, switch to like business, use that incredible background as a Navy SEAL to try to like help people like even more in a lot of other ways. And so it's kind of, you know, that fine line, do I persevere or do, or do I pivot? Yeah. That's awesome. And, yeah. That's, that's amazing. And that's really insightful to understand and, and unpack that lesson. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so you went through that process and then now where you are, you're successful as a entrepreneur and nonprofit leader with Soka Life and Force Blue. Um, and how did, how did the inspiration or like, as you were going through this process, um, I think when we first met, you know, it threw me off for a little bit because entrepreneurs are a little weird, right? We're always a little like unique in different ways. And so, uh, the first time I think we'd met and we talked about Soka Life, you're like, you know, I see this, hulking, massive, super fit seal, right? Former seal coming out to go into the business world. And you're like, like, Oh, what are you, what are you, what are you working on? What are you going to do? And like, wow, I want to make these like really <laughs> tiny shorts. Like, like I had these shorts that are like just amazing. Brazilian style speedos. <laughs> speedos are the best thing ever. And you can't get them in America. And so I'm going to bring them to America. And I'm like, that sounds cool. Like, I don't, understand it yet but uh but like what was what was the journey like or the inspiration how, yeah. how you've laid the foundation uh for success there and, and the story of, of the roots of something life 
Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. You know, um, Kyle Maynard is one of my best friends, too, and born with no arms and legs, champion wrestler and jiu-jitsu fighter, and he's a very philosophical guy as well. And he would say, like, when you're on the right path, doors will open where there was previously walls. I think it was, like, Emerson or Joseph Campbell that said that. But uh, I, like, love that. And I've seen that happening, like, in my life over and over with the right people continuing to come over into my life, like you and Prime and Dave Babora and Mitch, all these people, like, over and over. And uh, so I, you know, was very close with the Gracie family from doing jujitsu and everything, and not only from jujitsu, but then on personal Is that level. how you met them? Through your time as a combative instructor? Or like what? I met them I met them before, so I oh. trained in uh, Gracie Baja, Orlando, when I was going to UCF, and then... Chiron and his dad would come out and do seminars. And then I moved to California to San Diego. My friend Mikey, who had been my instructor in Orlando, ended up moving to California for MMA. And then he was an instructor at the headquarters of Gracie Baja. And it was training like Bubba Lou and all these people. And he was pretty close to Chiron and Honis. And uh, Honis had just moved here from Brazil. He couldn't even speak English yet. But uh, I'd go and hang out with them and we'd all go out became really good friends. They'd come visit me in San Diego. I'd come up, hang out with them in Newport Beach, and we just kept getting closer and closer. They uh, would go back to Brazil on vacations, and they would invite me to go. And I just would have, like, the most amazing time with them. But I'd be on the on the beach wearing these sport shorts, and everybody else would be in sungas, and I'm like, man, I'd go get in the water, and I'd be walking around in a soggy pair of board shorts, and I felt like a loser while everybody else was wearing these awesome sungas. And I'm like, I'm like, man, these have so many benefits, get better, like suntans, they dry fast. And I'm talking to a Brazilian girl, I'm like, oh, I think I need some of these. Like, I see everybody else wearing them. She goes, oh, I think they're so sexy on men. And I'm like, all right, I'm buying 10 of them. I bought a bunch, started wearing them all over the world, and just started having, like, the best experiences everywhere I went. I wouldn't even have to go talk to people. Everyone would come up to me and be like, man, cool swimwear. That's cool. like, and uh, I'd be doing like Croatia yacht week, just walking around. Everyone would just, it would just made people gravitate to me for some reason. Go to Vegas, go to, you know, Florida, wherever I go, I just wear them. And everyone would be like, oh, you're living a single. I tell them about what singles are. They're like, you just live the single life. And I'm like, you know, I want to get more, but they were like really hard. They were all in Brazil. I was like, you know what I need a, and then as I was doing like, realizing I was going to transition. I'd always been drawn to entrepreneurship because my cousins were successful business, had businesses in Florida and everything. And I'd always want to, you know, do that after I was a seal, but I didn't know what kind of product. And then I saw this product that was wide open and, um, and created Sunga Life. I did the honor foundation, went to Silicon Valley, saw all these companies. I was originally thinking I might do it while I would do my MBA or even after, but then I was like, I just need to make it right now. And then I can use that uh, going through business school to like grow and scale the brand. And, and then, uh, you know, already have something like pretty successful by the time I graduate. And that was like the best decision ever because then I made single life, started my MBA at UCLA, did the entrepreneurship pipeline. So every class, every like entrepreneurship class I did, single life was like the project where we would create like a bigger and like more robust business plan, create a pitch deck, and I'd have all these other really smart business school students uh, working on it at the same time. And then it was my master's thesis there, did the Anderson Venture Accelerator, I did Startup UCLA, 
Now I'm in uh, Showcase, Accelerator, and a lot of these, they, they give us like $5,000 grants and stuff too, and all these incredible uh, VCs and successful entrepreneurs. We kind of, you know, I pitched them and they'd all kind of love the, the brand and the idea. And it started getting more and more traction, especially as I started to build out the team more and bring in, I brought in my business partner, Warren, who's kind of like the CMO, CFO. He came in in a spring last year. And then uh, in 2020, the business, like the website revenue grew 8x and then like had like pretty solid revenue. And then um, this year, it like doubled, doubled again. And so, um, yeah, really happy and just keep learning more and more and like building the team out more and being more impactful. I'm able to, you know, take, and it was funny because I wrote my applications to UCLA that I had this company and I wanted to use, um, you know, all the resources to grow and scale the brand and then use the brand to help out with these foundations I'm like passionate about. Like, and I wasn't even on the Force Blue team or knew about it yet. And but I was doing a lot of work with the Adaptive Training Foundation, mm-hmm. Dave Abora, and now he brought me on to be on the board with them and everything. Uh, got got uh, invited to be on the Hudson Seal Swim, and uh, where we start in New Jersey, swim three and a half miles across Manhattan, uh, stopping on barges every like mile to do uh, 22 pull-ups and 100 push-ups and honor our fallen brothers, honor our nation's diversity, and... Uh, honor like the guys who were killed in extortion 17 and the 9-11 victims and everything so um and then i was like oh i need i should just sponsor this and have everyone wear my swimwear for this and put out the message of like you know of uh, of freedom and like courage and continuing to serve and everything um, and then you know just did the the swim from coronado to the uss midway which raised money for the honor foundation had everyone wear single life while we did that so I realized too, everyone, you know, doesn't want to wear like people that start wearing the Sumias love them. And they're like, wow, I'd never do these were so awesome. But I realized everyone didn't want to wear them too. And I, I realized I only want to wear my own brand. So I can't wear like a Sumia in my business school classes in UCLA. So I start making a board, like really comfortable four way stretch board shorts that are really functional and have great pockets. Uh, start making silkies, which were really popular in the veteran community and army calls them ranger panties. And then just start using all the same designs that I had with my sugas to make them. Um, women were like, Oh, I'd really love to wear your stuff, but you don't have anything. So I started making bikinis and I created the first like women silkies and then they like kind of blew up. Uh, and then I was like, Oh, I, I wanted to, I knew camo was really popular and I created a, the Naked Warrior Camo, which honors the original like frogmen that cleared the beaches in Normandy and Iwo Jima. They used to call like seals naked warriors because they would just be in like tiny mm-hmm. like UDT shorts mm-hmm. and uh, dive masks and fins and uh, yeah. And so I put little like tridents in it to honor and all the different camo. And I was in like summer 2019 and they were just selling out nonstop. And I'm like, oh, people really like the camo. And then I made like five new camos. And then that just, that's when like 2020 kind of like blew up. I started Facebook ads as well. And that was really successful. And then continued that, created the new Tiger camo because we were doing this this swim and it finished on the USS Midway and that was involved mm-hmm. in the Vietnam War. So everybody was wearing the Tiger Stripe in the Vietnam War. So I just made these and that's what everyone wore for the uh, Honor Foundation swim. So it's like a really great way to like tie together my different passions of like, you know, trying to 
create a successful business, help out with these foundations I'm passionate about. I've had a lot of, you know, really awesome, you know, in the beginning, I didn't really have a budget for marketing. So I just had like friends and veteran influencers and then more people started like liking the brand. I'd have fighters, all kinds of like, you know, UFC fighters like Nick Diaz and John Fitch and Carlos Condit and uh, Carlos Salmeida and uh, AJ Agazarm, all these people wearing wearing it while they while they fight and train and everything and mm-hmm. uh, just posting it and more people like continuing to do that and then it kind of gave it a lot of kind of social proof when for when he, from I started doing the advertising mm-hmm. and then people would go and check out the brand see see all the people wearing it see I was on like Mike Tyson's podcast and stuff too yeah. or or stuff on there so it kind of just like continued to like snowball and snowball and yeah that's so awesome. And, and I think one of the beautiful things about all this journey that you had, right, is I never could have guessed that your life would be in this path, right, 20 years ago, yeah. 10 years ago, yep. 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you mentioned about finding your purpose and finding your passion, uh, you had this idea and this this goal to bring this product to America and and help people experience this. It's more than just a pair of shorts, right? Yeah. It's, it's something that uh, is a part of your life that you know enables you or supports you while you're experiencing these different things. And it's really creating a, a familiar brand that's it's valuable and, and and people love, frankly, um, which is which is awesome. And then the other part of that that's really compelling is that although your day job is selling board shorts and sungas, you're able to, to marry your bigger picture and your purpose and your, your passions to the brand and infuse that into the brand in a way that's very like organic, genuine, authentic, and allows you to do other things that you really care about, right? Like force blue team yep. and adaptive training foundation and GI go fund and honor foundation and all these things. So, I think what you've, you've done and what it's been all amazing to see and follow passively through social media and everything else. And also, you know, just through interacting with you when we do get to get together is to see how you've created this lifestyle where you have all of those aspects and all the things that you care about and you've integrated them in a way that can provide you with that fulfillment. So it's really amazing. It's been an amazing journey to watch from the first time we met where you're like, yeah, explain to me, trying to explain to me. I'm trying to understand and comprehend Brazilian boy shorts, right? <laughs> uh, and how you're going to make that like passionate because entrepreneurship's hard, right? There's a lot yep. of struggles. Yeah. And so what I was trying to comprehend was how is this guy, like, how is he going to stay passionate about Brazilian boy shorts for 10 years, mm-hmm. right? Over the long term. Because it takes a long time to be successful, right? This is not totally. an overnight success by any totally. means, right? You've, you've been working hard and grinding for six years now? Five, six years? Yeah, five five years is when I... It was July 2016 where I launched the first product. And I didn't even know what yeah. it was at the time, but it was like made my minimally viable product. It was just yeah. my first two like singas. I wouldn't even know what an MVP was yeah. back then, but pretty much what I did and then yeah. I started making kind of other things that go with it. That's so awesome. And then, so, so that's one thing I find really compelling and awesome about your journey and why I'm so excited to have you share this. And then the other one is the bias for action, right? You didn't know, you know, you didn't have this master plan of how this was all going to come together and everything else, but you, 
you were willing to take risk and go for it. Right. And say, I think this is going to work. Like this, this could be cool. Let me, let me take some small step, right. And, and experiment and then refine and refine and refine and refine. And and I think that's what ultimately leads to success for entrepreneurs. And and you saw it out at, you know, formal training and formal education, which helped you because you were able to do this project. And I think it's also incredibly smart. And, um, and something that I tried to do as well as while I was at business school and had an idea using that as practical application while you're doing it, I suppose you have to do projects while you're there, yep. but instead of doing it on something that's fake, right? If it's real and meaningful, not only are you going to learn more, but it's going to actually benefit you and your company as well. So that's also really awesome that you're able to do that. But uh, yeah, it was a way to like de-risk it as well because of, you know, if you just found a company by yourself and you don't have any support, then your chances of failure are like super, super high. If you're counting on ha- having to like make money right away, you know, my first probably four and a half years, I didn't, I didn't make any, I didn't take any money. I would just roll profit. I would take all the profit, more, more inventory, more now, more inventory, more inventory. Okay. Now I'm like starting to have more profits. Now we're starting Facebook ads. Now, now it's like, and just kept rolling it into. And I basically took, like this $50,000 Iraq reenlistment bonus used that to like fund my company initially and then used cash flow to like grow from there. And now we should do like over a million in revenue this year. And it's because I kind of, you know, one of the other most important things for success is like delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, you know, I, I worked for free for four and a half years on this, on this company. And that's why it's like in a pretty good position now. And, uh, also, you know, using the resources available because I was in the military, had the GI bill, I was able to go to UCLA Anderson and they completely paid for all my tuition while I went there Mm -hmm. and also paid me like living expenses while I was in school. And so I was able to live off that uh, stipend that they paid through the GI bill, roll all the profit from the company into, uh, into like more products and scaling it. And then just wanted to be in a place where once I graduated, then I can start to pay myself. And then I, I hit that. And, uh, so it's kind of, you know, being able to de-risk because, you know, it is risky founding a company not knowing what's going to you know happen, mm-hmm. but there's ways to do it and like set yourself up for success. And I had this program like available to me with the GI bill and using all the resources and, you know, any, any problem I had, I could go to like faculty or the, like, you know, at, at UCLA Anderson or the mentors, we have like an incredible mentor, Brian, Brian Smelter mm-hmm. kind of advising us now. And he's worked 20 years, done almost everything there is to do in the mm-hmm. apparel industry and, and with branding. And we have meetings with him like, like weekly or bi-weekly. Nice. And, uh, he's really helping us now. And I just have tons of other friends who anytime I have an issue, I can just call them. I, I know I don't have the answers for this, but like through, through, uh, whether it's UCLA or just kind of, you know, being a very extrovert person going out and not being afraid to ask for help either. I'm not afraid to ask at all. I'm, I'm, I know what I'm good at. I know when I don't have the answer. And even if I think I do a lot of times, I'll still get advice on it. And that's why it's been like successful. And I haven't, you know, had anything too catastrophic happen. Like, Awesome. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so another good point, which I think you're highlighting, right. Is gratitude, humility, oh, yeah. um, 
and calculated risk taking, right? So you took this risk, you realized like, hey, if I just cut my personal spend rate, my burn, live like I'm poor yep. for four mm-hmm. years and just have survive, <laughs> put everything in you, have a roommate, yep. right? Shipping products, storing product, your, your warehouse is your closet, my, right? Like, yeah, it was literally yeah. my, this is what, I mean, I wish I got a fulfillment warehouse <laughs> sooner. I literally, my apartment just had boxes going all the way around, stacked to the ceiling and every, my roommate hated it, but I'm like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay it yeah. That's awesome. And and uh, and I was also using like Amazon warehouses oh, for right. shipping and stuff, but then I ended up realizing they weren't the best partners, so I pulled everything off of there. And uh and then once I just sold it directly on my website, my sales skyrocketed where I had like all the all the control where I can, you know, from the beginning to the end, I control the customer experience and and then that's why like my retention rate was so high and I was able to build this because a huge part of the brand too is like the community. It's products that people like love to look great in on Instagram and everything. And they love to post it. And that's why it kind of grew so much at the same time was the user generated content and uh, the community. And some people think, Oh, you just have to be really fit to wear that stuff. But no, it's like for everyone that wants to, you know, literally live their best life and get to the next level. There's, there's a, a friend of mine. I, I met him because he started using a Mitch Aguilar's like smashing greens. He was like 320 pounds in the middle of March. And then he started doing these smashing greens and, and, uh, you know, it's, you do fasting and you just eat these superfood greens. And within the first, he did like two 10 day fasts where all he had was these greens and, and he worked out along the way. And if you work out, you can take protein right after you so see your muscles don't atrophy. And, uh, Within like 23 days, he had lost over 50 pounds. And then he would still do like 10 day fast here, 10 day fast there. Within, it might have been like a, it was within like four or five months, he had lost over 100 pounds of body fat. The life came back to his eyes. And then he was wearing like Sunga Life while he's doing literally Murph, while he's doing all this. And he did like a modified Murph, you know, he wasn't doing like, you know, full pull-ups or everything he kind of did kind of half reps to, to be able to do it. And he did that on Memorial day within like maybe two months of like starting this thing. And, and he wears like single life while he does these workouts. So it's pretty cool. You know, you have other kind of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs that like really support each other. Like me, me and Mitch, he's got the smashing greens. You take these and help me kind of keep, you know, I'm 37 helps me keep my, helps me keep my abs, you know, as I have this swimmer brand, I just do a little bit of fasting here and there. Yeah. And then, uh, then he wears them while he fights MMA or he just had a jujitsu match where he was supporting. He has the adopt a cop jujitsu where now he has over a thousand police officers taking uh, jujitsu for free to make them better police officers, be able to arrest people safer, keep some people safer and then, and then like safe at the same time. So he just had a match where he rolled against Jake Shields and uh, raised, raised a lot of money for, for his foundations and then wore single life while he did that. Um, so it's like you know, all these people are, you know, this guy is now like just over 200 pounds and wearing single life. The life is back in his eyes and he's so happy. He's hiking 10 miles a day through the mountains of uh, Oregon and everything. And it's just so cool to see that it's even yeah. makes me happier seeing something like that. than it does like just someone like super fit and athletic already wearing, wearing it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's that's pretty awesome because, um, like you said, right? It's about empowerment, yeah, and ownership and action, absolutely. those things, and um, that's awesome. And like one of my one of my favorite quotes, and I think it uh, like embodies the brand so much is Thucydides said it, and the secret to happiness is freedom, and the secret to freedom is courage, and mm-hmm. it's like, and that's what like the the brand stands. We got like peacock shorts. We got flamingo. We got hot pink. We got these fun patterns, and that's one aspect of it: the happiness. You have the freedom, which is like the patriotic prints, Second Amendment prints, uh, all these like you know the Rocky shorts, uh, and then you have the courage, which is all the different camo, because that's what we fight for our freedom in. And you stand, you stand for all these things, and people don't realize the fact that we're here, sitting in, you know beautiful California without a worry in the world hardly is because of the courage. The reason we're here and we're happy and we have our families and everyone's safe and we're able to go out and not like, you know, worry about anything hardly happening is, is because it's because we have freedom to do that. And then we have that freedom because of the courage. It's all encompassing. A lot of people don't put that together. And that's what I love having the brand like stand for at the same time. So awesome. <laughs> Dude, we could talk for hours. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end yeah. man. This awesome. is awesome. awesome. This is awesome. So awesome, man. So uh, before we wrap up, I want to make sure everybody understands the different organizations that you're involved in and where they can find them. So Single Life, Adaptive Training Foundation, Giaco Fund, Honor, any, any of the websites you want to shout out and yeah. where people can go to learn. Yeah, so Single Life is just dot com or the Instagram is at sunga.life and then Force Blue Team. Uh, could talk for a while on that yeah. too. We should really have you come out and like dive some time too Love with to. like me and Rudy and yeah. everybody. We have, we literally restore the coral reefs on the ocean floor. Uh, you know, our coral reefs are being decimated. Over over fifty percent of the oxygen that we breathe comes from the coral reefs, and it wow. makes up. It's such a tiny percentage of the ocean floor. It's like point zero zero two percent of the ocean floor, but they're just so powerful. But they're being wiped out by a raising by the rising temperatures of the ocean and everything. So we're working with different scientists, creating stronger genotypes that are more resilient to the uh, rising temperatures and also spiny tissue coral, coral disease. And so it's like these special operators or combat divers, we get repurposed to uh, like become scientific master divers and work with the top scientists in the world, also saving sea turtles and sharks and all, all kinds of awesome stuff. And then Adaptive Training Foundation. Uh, I'm going out and doing a class with them in March, I would love for you to come out and train with me and Dave and everything. I'm going to be there for at least Sign a week and let's do it, man. Oh, yeah. And then they're doing, uh, then, you know, after they train there, we deploy to, uh, it's so cool because it's like doing a workup and then deployment where you came out and did the, the, uh, surf trip oh, yeah. in St. Yeah. Many, but then we're going to do a skiing trip to a uh, nice. Granby, Colorado. So I'd love for you, if you can at all come out skiing too. Um, and then uh, there, it's just like the best thing working with all those guys and everything, yeah. as well. And then you know, Hudson Swim and yeah. Cor- like Coronado Swim, we just did Swim for Soft and Honor Foundation, which helps special operators transition to the private sector. It's it's like you know a lot of like another issue we didn't even touch on is like you know veteran suicide and everything there, but 
I've, you know, been lucky. I had a great transition and everything. It's like when you are kind of focused on helping people, it's like, you don't like worry so much about yourself, you know? And, and it's like finding these ways to continue to serve like through all that and, and then doing it in a community at the same time. And just like, you know, force blue and ATF and these swims and everything. It's like keeping like a strong community while you do that and a purpose at the same time. So I've been really lucky to be able to incorporate like Sunga life and helping all these things at, at the same time too. And, and uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier with that. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. When I was talking to prime last time we had a great chat and that's exactly what he was saying. He was saying, uh, we talked a little bit about this in the saying of, you know, the patrolling mentality, right? Which is yeah. when it, when in doubt, focus out. Yeah. Right? Wow. And so, Beautiful. Um, so if you're feeling sorry for yourself or feeling bad or anything else, pretty quick fix, right? It's going to help someone else. Yep. You know, volunteer, so, do something. So beautiful. Do anything. Yeah. For someone besides yourself. Yep. Right. And so, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Jeff, okay. thank you so that much for coming. This has been incredible. awesome. Awesome hearing the story. Uh, all the stories and chatting with you. Truly appreciate you making time. Congratulations on all your success with all the ventures that you're involved in. And, uh, Really looking forward to seeing the journey continue yeah. as you move forward and grow and, and help more people and empower more people through your brand and through your organization. So thank you so much for joining me here for an episode of Forward, Derek Herrera and Jeff Cohn. Thank you, man. And it's exciting to be on this journey with you, you know, and seeing as you continue to, you know, grow and scale and, you know, even, you know, do pivots and everything along the way. So I love it, man. Excited to do more of the philanthropy stuff with you and have you be involved with that as well for sure yeah looking forward to it